Welcome to the Dr. Dad's Podcast, where a naturopath and chiropractor come together each week to share lifestyle medicine, health advice, and inspiring interviews with some of the top experts in health and wellness, bringing you the latest in nutrition, exercise, ancient healing, toxins and detox, your microbiome, mindset, hormones, brain, and much more. Stay tuned. We're going to teach you how to experience growth daily. Hey, everybody. Dr. Dad's coming at you on this beautiful sunny day. Dr. Nick, how are you, brother? The day in paradise, buddy. I'm, I'm loving life and uh, I'm really excited to talk. This is our second week talking about a parenting topic and uh, we've needed those in the, in the times we're in. So I'm looking forward to the conversation today. Yeah, such a need, especially right now, right? And so one of the fun topics you and me like to get into, mental health. Today, we're actually going to focus more on children's mental health. And uh, just talking about mental health issues for a second, this can be kind of scary for an adult to talk about, I'm sure even more so for a child. And, um, you know, recent studies are showing that this is something we definitely need to be talking about. So in the United States alone, one in five children a year suffer from a mental health disorder, according to the CDC. That comes to over 17 million children meeting criteria for disorders that affect a child's behavior, ability to learn, and process emotions. So today's guest that we have on with us says mental health issues don't go away by ignoring them. Acknowledging them and talking about them openly is the first step to managing them. What better way to reach a child than with a story? So today's guest, we have author Brian Ray, and a little bit about the author. Brian was born in Cincinnati, Ohio, and moved to New York after graduating from Penn State. In 2003, Brian was awarded the Nickel Fellowship in Screenwriting. During an opportunity to write for Walt Disney Studios, Brian discovered his passion for telling stories for children. He writes from Brooklyn, where he lives with his wife, two daughters, and their endless inspiration. Brian's first book, Unraveling Rose, was the 2017 Forward Indies Gold winner for Picture Books Early Reader. And then today, I believe we're talking about Max's Box, which... uh, Hey, buddy. Thanks for coming on. You're going to tell us more about it. But uh, Brian, I appreciate you spending some time with us today. Thank you so much for having me on, for taking the time to talk to me. So, Brian, this is such an important topic. Tell me a little bit of um, how, how you got into this stuff, man. Great question. Uh, like you said in the intro, uh, I was got the opportunity to write for Disney, which was wonderful. And uh, screenwriting work started to evaporate for me, but I still had this real passion for telling stories for children. And, uh, you know, so I started focusing on writing picture books. And I definitely had some misfires, some stories that weren't so successful. And it suddenly dawned on me to sort of maybe try and focus on writing about things that I knew more about. Uh, My first book, uh, you mentioned Unraveling Rose, deals with a, a stuffed rabbit who has a worry thought that won't leave her alone. And it's about her learning to deal with that worry thought. And that's something that I definitely know what it feels like. Uh, And my second book, Max's Box, is about a little boy who basically suppresses his emotions. Um, And so, again, I felt like these were topics that I knew something about and that that I could tackle. You know, me and Dr. Nick, we're always talking with our guests and you, these experts about how do we just, I don't want to mess up my kid. What do I do? What do I do? Right. And, 
it's funny because we also have discussions about how needed it is to teach our children how to deal with their emotions and their mental health from a very early age. So I think this is brilliant, man. I mean, to be able to put this into children's books so that they can actually learn, and especially these illustrations and things that I'm seeing. I mean, amazing, incredible idea. And I'd like to just dial in, if you don't mind, and talk a little bit about each book and then uh, the importance of these lessons for these kids long term. Great. Uh, Max's box, um, you know, again, I'm, I have two daughters, uh, and I think one of the toughest things for me as a parent, frankly, was learning how to do exactly what you're talking about, which is to help them manage their emotions in a healthy way. Uh, I didn't have those tools. They weren't necessarily given to me growing up. So I had to learn them in order to teach them. And so, um, I just felt like it was something that maybe other parents could identify with and also children could identify with, um, that they needed to hear that it was okay to express themselves. Um, first and foremost, I'm a storyteller. Uh, that's, that's what I, I, I always approach, like, how can I tell an interesting story? You know, these aren't, these aren't how-to books that I'm writing. I'm really trying to get, you know, kids drawn in, if I can, by sort of the magic of the story. Um, and then hopefully that inspires conversations between them and their parents. Well, and you know, we always talk, everyone says, you know, you got to read to your children before bed every night, right? And a lot of times we're reading stuff that is great. I'm sure it's entertaining. It's great and creative for the imagination. But we don't always get these lessons out of these type stories when we read to our children. So such a great place, you know, to, to teach those things. You know, I have a little boy. He's six. And uh, one of the things that we've spent some time doing since he was about four and we've been reading and reading to him before bed is I, we have these like uh, Buddhist nighttime stories, but every single story has a lesson to be learned at the end of the story. So we've always kind of focused as parents more on that kind of wavelength. Nick, I don't know about you, man. What do you do with your little guys? Yeah, we, we have a ritual of reading every night too. And, um, uh, sometimes it's Marvel. Sometimes it's, you know, uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer has a, a couple books on, you know, uh, helping you feel your emotions and th those kind of things. We mix it up. I mean, our, I find that the dialogue though, uh, after the story is, is, you know, it's kind of like you're, you're, you're encouraging them to into that, um, creative aspect and then, and then having dialogue after is where, where the magic happens. So, um, Absolutely. Yeah, and so I, and I'm kind of feeling into that. That's it. Sounds like that's how these stories go for you. Is it because step one is creating the right environment for them to to be able to express themselves? So can you can you dive into that piece a little bit more? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think younger children in particular, especially, need to feel that connection to their parents to help regulate their emotions, right? And we were talking about just maybe now more than ever, making that time every day for adults to relax and for children to relax is crucial. Uh, and, you know, you can do that in any number of ways. It can just be cuddling. It could be singing songs together. But certainly, like you both mentioned, reading stories at night is a great way to do that. I mean, reading aloud has so many positive benefits, right? Like, increases the language, you can, which also means you can teach them how to talk about emotions. And, uh, and allowing them to see themselves or something they might be going through in a story gets to exactly what you're talking about. It starts a conversation and it just happens naturally, mm -hmm. right? It's not forced. 
it just happens because you're there, you're relaxed, and you're just spending time together. So that's one way. First, you know, to create that environment where the kid feels, a child feels safe expressing themselves or talking about feelings, creating that environment. There's lots of things you can do, but making that time every day to, to relax and to do that is definitely one key way to do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious how, how you brought your, your writings and your experience with, with story into your own parenting strategy. Like, how did that impact you in raising your girls? I think the, my interest in learning how to be sort of a more helpful parent uh, came first. You know, learning how to do some things that, that maybe I didn't know, already know how to do, but then could impart on them was, was a big factor. And then sort of little things I would see in our day-to-day life sort of maybe suggested that, again, maybe other parents might benefit from it, other kids might benefit from it. And that's, that's been, one thing that's been really rewarding is I go out and I read Max's box to schools um, is to see just how interested the kids are in this subject, mm-hmm. you know, and talking about feelings, they're ready. The kids are ready to talk about it. Right. Mm-hmm. They, they know what's going on. And they and once they know that it's sort of safe and that this book sort of can lead them in that direction, hands are going up and, you know, they're 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 really into it. Sorry to digress. But but first, I guess it was about, you know, it was things that I felt like I needed to learn to be a better parent. Mm-hmm. Well, Nick, you know, Dr. Nick, you talk about this a lot, right? We talk about this whole not suppressing your emotions and moving through trauma and dealing with these things. And, you know, our kids, they're so animated and expressive at this young age. And I feel like some parents, and we may be guilty of this from time to time, is like they're feeling certain emotions. And you hear parents say, like, well, stop crying and, you know, quit being ridiculous. And these kids don't understand why I'm sure as an adult we're saying things like, you know, don't feel what you're feeling, you know, it's like, or it's not okay to feel like we don't, they don't get that validation from us as parents. And I love the way you, you kind of bring this forward, man, with Max's box of how this box just continues to grow. The more he keeps kind of suppressing how he feels about things instead of, you know, being able to communicate with his parents about how he feels, whether that's anger, sadness, or worry, or fear, or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Such an important thing for kids to be able to have that line of communication where they can share their feelings. And what a different role that some parents need to understand when we look at this of that maybe we need to dive head into these things and maybe spend that time, like you're saying at story time and say, have you ever felt anger? You know, what makes you, right. what, when have you felt like that? Or right. when have you been sad? And, and I just don't think those conversations are being had. Yeah. Well, for, for, for just to give a quick synopsis of the book so people can, you know, when we reference the book, it's basically about this little boy named Max who's given a magic box that will grow to hold whatever he puts inside of it but he quickly discovers that it will also hold emotions that he's not sure what to do with. And so the box keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger the more he puts in. And it grows so big that it gets to the point where he can't really do any of the things that he used to enjoy doing with his friends, like climbing trees or swimming or riding a bike even, because he's, he's carrying around this huge box with him. And it's only when another person identifies that he's feeling sad and talks to him about how he's feeling 
that the box begins to transform in a sort of magical way. And I won't give away the ending, but he's able to let it go because basically somebody talked to him about, about how he was feeling. Um, and I think, you know, to your point about having these conversations, I think that people come a long way in understanding the importance of mental health and emotional health issues, but there might be some lingering misconceptions that, you know, fear and anger and all these emotions are the domain of adulthood and, and they're not kids, children experience the exact same feelings. Uh, what they might not have is the language to articulate those feelings, right? They don't have, you know, an emotional vocabulary, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So one thing you can do to really help a child with these, having these conversations is helping them identify the feeling they're having in the moment, not focusing on the behavior, but identifying the emotion. You seem angry that your brother or sister took your toy, right? And then you start to, you give them this emotional vocabulary and then over time, you know, because you're helping them identify their feelings in the moment, then they can start to identify their feelings in the moment and articulate them to you rather than having an emotional outburst. Well, I think it's, it's helpful for a parent too, because I mean, my boys are five and eight and you know, my, my older one's really starting to experience and express his anger in a different kind of way. Um, and, and it's great. And I'm just thinking for, for parents that, you know, sometimes we need to realize that part of parenting is, is that we can't just stuff them, you know, stuff up the feeling, talk about the behavior. Like I, I just, but really just talking about the emotion that, that's there. And, and I recognize in our own boy that when we, when we take the time, just let him, you know, have his experience, talk about, you know, how that situation went. And, and it's such a different kind of, dialogue as opposed to like maybe and my younger son's a good example sometimes we're, we're you know trying to get get ourselves together to get somewhere and then in my parenting mind when he's acting like a little you know shit before we leave the house kind of like too bad buddy this is kind of what we're doing right now yeah and it's funny how like our our you know our schedule as a parent to try to get from point a to point b or whatever the story is you know meet friends or what have you and sure. we let that get in the way of a parenting moment. And it's just so important to just remember that, you know, these, these little creatures, they need our guidance, they need our attention. And, and sometimes we do have to, you know, be late for something because we just need to take the time to help our, our little ones mold their, their behaviors. So yeah. I, I'd love to hear a little bit more about, you know, maybe, maybe some strategies or, or some, some tools sure. um, around, you know, the, the inconvenient times that our kids get emotional. And, and well, how do we put ourselves aside? You brought up a, a great a great point. It's 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 difficult as a parent because you know we have our own set of stresses and things that are pressing on us as well, right? Yeah. But but like you said, it's what's what's important is if you can to try and focus on the emotion that's driving the behavior. You know, tantrums or outbursts are more often than not driven by a child feeling overwhelmed by an emotion, fear, anger, frustration, whatever it be, right? And the natural inclination as a parent is to try and step in and, you know, redirect the behavior or talk to them, you know, in the moment, or, you know, that's really not something we should be doing, you know. But what you end up doing, you know, the goal is for a tantrum not to become the default response to feeling overwhelmed by emotion, right? But sometimes when a parent steps in and starts trying to sort of intervene in the moment, the sort of um, 
what consequence, unintended consequence, is that you positively reinforce the behavior, right? Because now they're getting a certain kind of attention, right? So as long as the child, you know, if you're at home and, and this outburst is not causing the child any danger or putting in anyone else in danger, really sometimes the best thing to do is simply not give it any attention, right? Let the child calm down, which they will eventually, right? And then have the conversation. You seemed really angry about this or really, you know, frustrated that this, and again, you're focusing on the emotion, not the behavior. You're helping build their emotional vocabulary and that helps them refocus, mm-hmm. right? And, and, but that's tricky, right? It's, you know, I've been in the grocery store with a, with a, with a child who is having a, a, an, out, an outburst because something's not going the way they want it to. And yeah, you're, you're sitting there with your grocery cart full of groceries and you know, people are looking at you like, what's going on? And it's hard to take, it's hard to remember, take a deep breath, pick up the child, walk outside, go for a 30 second walk, try to calm down and then talk about the situation, right? If you can, right? I mean, that's the goal, but it's difficult. But if you can focus on the behavior, excuse me, the emotion rather than the behavior, then that's really going to help them as well identify those emotions and start to regulate them. Well, I I love that you said that because I I feel like as a parent, because I've felt it on on occasion, I've recognized where I'm not being present and it comes into that shame-based parenting. Like what are other parents going to think of me or other people, you know? And it's, it's so unfortunate that we've been conditioned to be really concerned about what other people think. And it's, and it's ultimately it's to the detriment of the child. So if you could kind of talk about that too, just help, help us all understand, you know, what's driving our behavior, which then, you know, it determines how our, our kids respond because it's, it's super important for us to sort of take some of the pressure off of us. So sure. Yeah. I think a few things uh, come to mind. One, like I, I personally was not given these, these tools, you know, so I, I had to learn them. So I'm, I'm in the situation of learning and trying to teach at the same time, which has its own, you know, so I'm sort of behind the curve a little bit, right? Uh, you know, so some people, that, that's a, that adds more stress to the situation, right? Which raises, you know, everyone's, you know, can raise everyone's stress. Two, um, there are some existing stigmas about emotions and emotional outbursts, right? And, and it's hard to ignore those. Like you're talking about, what are the other parents thinking, you know, that I can't control my kid mm-hmm. in the grocery store, you know? And it's hard to let that go because there's a lot of momentum behind those stigmas, right? But as much as we can do to just not, again, like to your point, be in the moment, focus on what's really happening and address that. That, that will help. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are two things that, that, came, that came to mind. Yeah. When I'm listening, you all think, and I'm thinking, it's, it's, such, it's so simple, right? As adults, when we get in our moods, whether we're just pissed off, right, or we're maybe sad one day, like, we usually just have to feel the way we feel and move through it, right? I mean, yeah. it's not like we have someone else looking down on us like we did when we were kids saying, well, why are you feeling that way? And what's the matter with you? What's going on, right? 
And I think people forget, we forget as parents sometimes that our kids are going to have these bad days, right? They're going to have a day maybe where they're down, they don't feel great, maybe they're tired, you know, they're going to have a day, maybe like you're saying, they're upset, maybe a friend at school pissed them off at class or at recess, and they're coming home with that, and yet we jump to this whole story trying to fill in the gaps versus just understanding like, okay, my kid's feeling this, let's just keep an eye on them. Let's watch them, let them deal with it. And then I'll talk to them later about it and say, Hey, I noticed you were angry today when you got home, what's going on with you? You know, mm. and like you're saying, try to help establish this, this line of communication as your child uh, grows up so that you can have these tools to discuss and keep, keep that, that, that clarity and that, that message between parent and child. Absolutely. I, I think you're absolutely right. And, 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 you know, um, we also as adults have perspective when we're feeling like that, right? We can, we can better identify why we're feeling this way. We know the feeling's gonna pass. We know that we might be able to do something about that feeling. Children don't have that kind of perspective. And something else I talk about is uh, something called, what I call teaching alternatives, right? Which is sort of a way of gaining some perspective on a feeling. And what I mean by that is, let's just say for instance, it's a way of basically involving your child and imagining or coming, helping come up with solutions to what's going on and causing the way they're feeling or, or helping manage the way they're feeling, right? So, you know, if your child's, you know, let's say playing with blocks and it keeps falling over, you know, something you could say is, you seem really frustrated that your blocks keep falling over. What could you do about that? You could, you could ask for help or you could try building it again. What do you think? right? And then you've engaged them in the process. You've identified the feeling, right? And now you've engaged them with coming up with a solution, which is really about perspective, right? And then, so if you can keep those, it's another tool maybe you can do. And that's going to help them get to the place where you're talking about, like the older they get, you know, they've got this new perspective now and they know that, that they have some role in regulating how they're feeling or how those feelings might play out. Such well, a good point. I'll go ahead, Nick. I was saying it's just so important to, to help them develop that resiliency mindset, you know, at a young age, because how many of us, you know, they, they grow up without the right kind of training or perspective tools. And we, we feel shame for having emotion because we were shamed right. for having emotions. And it's, and it's a really unfortunate scenario that when we don't get this toolkit at a young age, to, to allow ourselves to feel what we're feeling, to bring attention to it, bring awareness to it, have these perspectives. And then, and then we get to choose a new way of moving forward instead of thinking like, man, my, my parents are really pissed at me. I'm, I'm a bad person. I did it wrong again. And, you know, and, and you just, you don't actually learn from that experience. And I think that we can all take ownership as parents to go like, you know, there's still something that, that I obviously haven't healed from my childhood about, you know, how, how I handle emotions and and so it's a wonderful dialogue because it's for kids but it's also for us as parents so if you could kind of speak to that like i mean you i love how you brought in that that vulnerability of just like hey i didn't i needed to learn these tools and so i wanted to help teach them and get this message out so if you can kind of speak to to um you know this isn't just for for their kids like it's it's actually for parents too right Uh, absolutely and um uh, one of the things, again, the, the, the real goal is to hopefully to, to have a story that children engage in and, look, and get something from. I want them to be entertained by it and inspired by it, hopefully. 
but you know, given that it does sort of under the surface touch on some, you know, some pretty solid issues that adults might need, you know, to learn about as well. There's a section at the back of Max's box called A Word About Emotions, which touches on some of the things we're talking about right now. Just, you know, just a perspective for adults and things they can do to help their kids. Because I think there are a lot of people that don't necessarily have these tools um, for a whole host of reasons, but, you know, but, but that might, you know, appreciate, you know, some basic guidance or for, you know, of, of ways that we might sort of redirect our feelings in the middle of a situation or the way we're responding to somebody else's feelings. What do you think the impact would be if, if this kind of dialogue became part of, say school systems, it became part of like, a, I don't know, a parenting, you know, sort of a survival kit. You know, what, what, would, what do you think the future would look like for humanity if, if we all were allowed to bring these, these teachings in? Like what, what kind of future do you see for, for the planet if that were the case? Really hopeful, uh, really hopeful because empathy would play a big role. You know, it, it's hard to... It's hard to be empathetic to somebody going through something if you can't understand it or feel it yourself, right? So if we're in better in touch with, our, with ourselves and, and how we're feeling, we can better empathize with someone else going through something. So that, that's why I say it makes me hopeful because I think that the biggest thing to come from this being part of everyone's dialogue is empathy. Mm-hmm. Love that. I love that you said that because we are in the middle of a, a pandemic where yeah. there's a lot of, you know, exogenous or outside stress going on that's impacting families. Uh, suicide rates are up. There's, uh, you know, uh, abuses up, um, domestic violence. I mean, there's a lot of trauma stuck in the psyche of our global brothers and sisters. Yeah. And, um, you know, I love that you're, this message is getting out now too, because I mean, now's the time. I mean, we're, we're most of, I mean, most of us are coming out of some version of a lockdown, but, um, yeah. these are critical tools to, to share with humanity. So, um, yeah, if you can kind of speak to the timing and, and kind of good, that maybe dive a little bit deeper into what we just shared, which I thought was brilliant, uh, just helping people become more human, you know, more humanity with, with empathy. Yeah. I think that, um, to your point, you know, uh, ch- children right now, because that's where my focus is, but children right now might not fully understand what's going on, um, but they are definitely feeling it too. They have been just as impacted as everyone else. They've been separated from their friends, from their school, from their day-to-day activities. Um, and we know that, that kind of, those kinds of big changes can cause an increase in sadness and anxiety and, and children, a lot of adults don't know what to do with that increase in sadness and anxiety. And a lot of children certainly don't know what to do with that increase in emotions. And the last thing you want them to do is to suppress it because that has some really not healthy outcomes. It results in acting out in anger. Um, it, over time, can, it leads to an increase in feeling isolated or in an increase in the anxiety or, you know, down the road, you know, outright depression so you know part of the benefit of being empathetic being able to identify how we're all feeling and helping each other through it is going to hopefully alleviate a lot of those possible symptoms from suppressing these feelings 
Well, I'm looking at your books, man. Like Nick was saying earlier, you know, it's a children's book, but this is also a tool to teach parents. I mean, I, hope so. I, I literally see you writing a series of these, man. Like I, I'm, I'm seeing two stories, but like I, not like Nick is saying, like I see a collection of this being able to be given to parents so that parents can go through a process with their children. They're both learning. The child is learning one thing on their end. And then the parent is creating understanding on the other side of that. And it's so needed in this world. Like Nick is saying, like, this is like a missing piece. It's like that missing link. We all talk about this subject, which nobody wants to talk about. Right. But everyone is aware that we have this issue with mental health in our country. Yet mm -hmm. nothing is being done uh, when these kids are coming out of the gates, you know, during early child development to make the change. Sure. And buddy, this is, this is awesome. I mean, you're, you're, I see two, but I see 10 more coming and I can just totally see it in this big thick book right now of this onslaught of stories that's just needed to be in every home. Because like you're, like you just said earlier, you didn't have these tools, you know, mm -hmm. You had to learn. And I think me and Nick are in the same boat. We're trying to find answers because we want to be better parents. Sure. And, you know, a lot of us, some of us were blessed that our parents did the best job they could. And we learned some things from them that have, have helped us when we became parents. But for yeah. the most part, there isn't a how-to, right? I mean, it's kind of yeah. as we go. No. Well, I mean, you know, again, like uh, I look, my parents were great, lovely people. But it, it's just these stigmas and these ideas about mental health and emotional health they they're lingering still you know and certainly again I'm, you know i'm 49 so when i was a kid they were definitely there um when i was writing max's box um one of the things that made me really feel like okay maybe this is the right book for this time is i was at the playground uh, with my youngest daughter and little boy fell and the adult he was with you know he hurt himself he's crying and the little the uh, grown-up that he was with said come on now big boys don't cry and i thought you know, I, I, I don't doubt that the grown-ups' intentions were good. It's sort of shorthand for saying you're going to be okay or this isn't a big deal. I get it. But he glossed right over what was going on sort of right in front of him. He was feeling some pain, and he was letting that out. And that's I tell, you, I tell you what, though. I mean, that's a knee-jerk reaction. It was almost – it's like it's ingrained. Like he probably would just recall, I heard my dad say this to me. Yeah. Bang, it's, it's there. It's programmed in. Like that's, yeah, that's I mean, crazy. again, I say it with no judgment. I, totally, I know yeah. it's, a, it's a shorthand for like, come on now, you know, let's keep going or you're going to be fine. And yeah. it's meant with the best of intentions. But it's, it's, it does sort of non-verbally say, I don't, you know, I'm not sure what to do with your, be, your feelings. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what to do with them. And then so, and now you've said verbally and non-verbally to the child, what are you doing, basically? And so next time, you know, how are they going to feel about having a feeling? Totally. Well, it's like it's absolute zero validation for having a, an emotion. Yeah. And so, like you said, it just, that box gets bigger and bigger and, and to the point where it explodes. We grow up and, you know, we see someone who has a different point of view and then us and we jump all over them. And how dare you think differently than me? You're not allowed to think differently than me. I mean, it's yeah. just it's such a crazy phenomenon that, that we if we all were a little more gentle with ourselves and, and look back and go, well, wow, so much of who I am is habits. Things are just imprinted in me because words have such penetration in our psyche and our neurology. And we just, we spew stuff out without even thinking about it. And, yeah. and it's sad that, that we, 
we're, you know, I'm happy that there's a movement, but it's also sad that, you know, this is kind of how we were raised. I mean, I, I grew up with that. Like, you better not cry, man. Like, yeah, yeah. don't just, you know, shrug it off. Boys don't cry. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. it's an important message. Walk it to off. Totally. <laughs> Walk it off. Yeah. Um, well, one of the things I put in the back for the word about emotions is, you know, I, I don't know. I basically, I said, you know, this still needs to be said. It's okay to cry. Mm-hmm. You know, tears come with pain. Tear come, tears come with anger, fear, frustration. Tears come with happiness sometimes, right? Again, it, focus on the emotion, not the tears, you know. Yeah. To your point, it, basically what you're saying is old habits die hard, right? Mm-hmm. And oh. that's, that's why it's important to lay a different kind, kind of groundwork early with our kids, right? Because if you build different habits into their life, those will also be hard to break, which in this case would be a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, I got a question for you that's sort of a little segue into something else. But so there's a huge amount of gaming going on for kids in, in these days. Like what kind of impact do you think, or if you feel comfortable speaking to like screen time and, and kids growing up in this time, like this is a really interesting time for a child to grow up. Um, yeah. Do you have any sort of opinions or thoughts on on screens and 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 it being used as a parenting tool? I have. I know what my personal feelings are about it, which is I think at, at, it's the Mr. Softy. Can you hear me? <laughs> Sorry. No, you're fine, I'll start, I'll start again. I have, I have my own feelings about it. Um, I think it should be limited. Is my feeling. Um, I've read some things that suggest, obviously, that too much screen time is now starting to show itself as not being healthy for children. Um, But I sort of had that instinct before, mostly because it felt like a disconnect. And especially in young children, getting back to what I said earlier, I think they need to feel a connection to their parents in order to regulate emotions and and other things as well, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. So like, it's just more time that you're not connecting, I guess, is how I feel about it. Yeah, I love that you said that because, I mean, a lot of what David and I talk about too, in order for proper communication to happen, the connection has to be there first. And if, sure. if there's a barrier between you, like if, if, if that barrier is, you know, a screen or, or something else, I mean, there's, it's really hard to, to create space for that communication to happen. Go ahead, yeah. David. I know you want to say something. Well, I mean, that was my next talking point, man, is, is it's scary for parents. This is intimidating you know, I think parents that maybe don't have a grip on their child's behavior or maybe see that their child's depressed or anxious, uh, they can get kind of lost in it, right? Not not really be understanding of where is this coming from. But like we're talking about right now, it's one thing I would tell the parents that are listening right now is the first question to ask, like Nick just said, is, well, how how clear is that communication between you and your child? Right. How clear how clear is that connection? Because if that's already not there, then there's probably your first issue that you're having with your child is there's no connection between parent and child. Right. You know? And I'm not, you know, I'm not a therapist, but I mean this is just this is pragmatic, right? It's just kind of just thinking at the big picture here. And the other thing I would say to that to some of these parents is, you know, we all grew up like we said earlier, and we learned a lot of these things from our parents. Like one of the ones my dad would say is pain doesn't hurt. And I just kind of look at him like, really? What? Right. Like, what are you talking about? But I think we need to have a little bit of a gut check as parents because we want to be better parents than our parents. Every parent wants that for their kids. 
but how much have we questioned what our parents taught us and how we're going about it when we're kind of doing the same stuff versus, okay, maybe I need to try something new to pass forward to my kid because I didn't have that growing up. And that's such a good place for your books, man, because these are, these are, these are perfect tools to do that. Education uh, is, is key, right? Like being open to learning new things is going gonna, is gonna to bring you a lot of benefits that you probably can't even you know, totally foresee. Um, so it's, there are many tools out there. There's great organizations um, like the Child Mind Institute, uh, which I think is their website is childmind.org. So if you're a parent that's having questions about, you know, your child's behavior or what might be going on, they're, they're a great resource for information. Uh, so the good news is there, there really is a lot of information out there for people that have questions. Uh, there's places you can go to get the answers. And then depending on the level which, you know, your child may or may not need help, there's, you know, they might be able to direct you. There's places to go where you can be directed to, to getting the help you need or your child needs. So what's the next book, Brian? You've, you've gotten two good books about some pretty good emotional topics. What's the next one you got cooking up? I'm really excited about the next one. Uh, it is called Maya and the Very Tall Wall. And it is about a little girl named Maya who has lots of big questions, but she, and with, a, and she has this magical wall in her backyard. And as she starts to get a little older, she notices that the wall in her backyard gets taller and taller. And as the wall gets taller and taller, she becomes shyer and shyer about asking her questions out loud. And what she wants to know is what's on the other side of that wall. And she tries all kinds of ways to get to the top and get over it but nothing works. And finally she realizes she has to speak up and use her voice. And when she does, things really change. Um, and I'll leave it at that. Beautiful. I can't help but like, as you're talking about Max's box, this Maya's wall, I, I keep thinking these are amazing Disney shorts. Have you thought about going back to Disney and saying, Hey, we've got some animated, you know, learning opportunities here. I would be, I, I mean, I haven't worked with Disney now for, uh, maybe was it 15 years, I guess. So mm -hmm. uh, I'm a little out of touch there, but boy, I would be honored. Yeah. I, yeah. That would be a lot of fun. Cause I mean, ki kids are going to watch. I mean, we actually watched a few shorts uh, on that. We, we have the Disney channel. We watch a few shorts and, and they're great because even, you know, there's opportunities for discussion in film as well. And, and I'm just getting the mental image of, of seeing your characters light up on a screen. So um, yeah, well, one, we want to give uh, everyone who's listening an opportunity to find you, your books. And so, so how, how can people access your information? Um, I'm on all the, all the uh, social medias. Um, you can probably just search for my name, Brian, B-R-I-A-N-W-R-A-Y, uh, or um, my website, which is www.authorbrianray, all one word, dot com. Perfect. And then you said you're, you're on Facebook as well and yeah, uh, Instagram, you. Twitter. Yeah. And Great. Brian, they can get your books on Amazon. What's the easiest way for them to get their hands Amazon. on the books? Amazon. Amazon is probably best. Yeah. Or directly from the publisher. I think Barnes and Noble carries them online. Uh, maybe Target as well. Several of the, uh, you know, the big, the big retail online places, but yeah, certainly Amazon. Mm -hmm. Awesome. 
And so everyone listening again, the two books that he's got going right now are Max's Box and Unraveling Rose. And I think I'm going to go pick up both, actually. Mm -hmm. So I'll get that done pretty quick. But you got to check these out. Uh, Super amazing stuff, man. And I'm really excited to see, like I said earlier, the next dozen come because I, I totally see you going places with this. This is amazing, man. Thank you so much. And thank you for, for like hitting such an important topic. It, it's so encouraging to know that uh, other people out there talking about this and getting the word out. Um, I think it's, I think it's going to lead to a lot of great things. That's our hope too. So on, on that note, we always get uh, our guests or ask our guests to share uh, a home play exercise, something that families can, or you know, parents can do with their kids possibly in this situation. What, what's, what's something that you can get people to um, get started on as, as an exercise? Oh my, I, I think, oh, I would just be sort of redundantly going back to one of the things I mentioned earlier in terms of a real game, like an actual game or something that you can do as an activity. Yeah, it, it, whatever you feel like would have impact for the people listening for them to do in order to experience what you're sharing. I think dedicated story time, every night or whenever works best for your family pick three books let your kid let your child pick a book <laughs> involve them in the process whatever it is let them pick something that they want to read share it and you get a great dialogue going that way yeah i'm gonna and personally what i'm gonna do with what you what you shared is bring more dialogue at the end of the story time uh we do just a short little snippet but i i recognize now after talking to you like i don't do that enough and so i'm gonna i'm gonna be much more intentional with creating a, some a, an opportunity to to dive into some of the narrative even if it's like marvel characters i mean there'll, there'll be there'll be some fun conversations yeah. that will come out of that absolutely again when i do go to schools or, or bookstores or libraries kids are so responsive to the story you know i'll just ask does anybody here know what it's like to have a big feeling and you don't know what to do with every hand goes up they want to talk about it i get angry with my sister sometimes and they're just all so ready to talk about it mm-hmm. sometimes the teachers and the librarians are like we have to go now because like you know it's the, the kids would talk about it forever so yeah i mean make those conversations as long as you want after the reading because they're they're ready they, they love to talk yeah, that's awesome yeah Brian, thank you so much for being on the call today. We, I look, we look forward to your books. Both Dave and I are going to get onto Amazon after this call and, and order them for our family. So um, thank you for your time and your expertise. And once uh, Maya's, Maya's Wall comes out, let's have you back and we can dive into this conversation again. I would love that. And thank you both so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to subscribe to The Dr. Dads and share with your family and friends. You can also follow and interact with Dr. Nick and Dr. David on Facebook and Instagram for a daily dose of inspiration and the latest in health and wellness. Be well.